Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. I'm Callie, and I'm in a very spicy mood, but I'm here with my co-host, Elise, who... I think is the sugar to my spice today. I know you're like, you're like a margarita with salt on the rim. And I'm like a margarita with sugar on the rim. Yeah. I'm salty as fuck. Fuck today. I've been salty as hell all week. It's fine. Everybody deserves a salt week. It's fine. I feel like everyone I talk to after five minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I'm in a really bad mood. (laughs) And they're like, oh, I didn't notice. That's so funny. Yeah. You, you can have, you can have a bad mood. You can have a bad week. It's yeah. bad moods, bad vibes, spiciness, but I kind of like it because that's when my filter just goes right out the window. No, I'm like living for Callie and her mood today. I like lit, like I like love it. I'm here for it. Uh, well, I wonder if Andrew is. <laughs> probably not probably not that's fine yeah um should we go into sparkle time yeah I'll go first because I'm excited (laughs) about mine probably because you're like I don't want to know yours (laughs) oh Callie's sparkle is a fire today that's what we're gonna call it so I love it um my sparkle is that in 24 hours I'm gonna be on the beach with some guacamole and some a passion fruit margarita I don't know if I've even had a passion fruit margarita but it sounds delicious and so Carl and I are going to Cabo for the weekend and my mom has little Millie so grandma's got the puppy for the weekend oh my gosh I wish I could have the puppy but then it would be an actual zoo over here so maybe on second thought not but that dog oh my gosh that is the best puppy I think I've ever met she is double the size from when you saw her like literally growing like a weed and it's been pouring rain in Texas this whole week and so obviously my house smells like shit and poop and pee and all the things. And so I have 12 candles from (laughs) anthropology going all different scents. I literally have a headache because it's better than poop and pee, but that is, she was a tank when I was there too. Yeah. And she big, she's going to be a a big girl. Oh, I knew I I saw those paws and I was like, are y'all ready for this? I know we're not, we don't even know, but we're going with it. She's going to be a big girl. She is. Um, okay. What's your, what's your fire, Callie? Give me the fire. My coal, my fire coal. Oh, nothing has gone to plan this week and like nothing. And like, I, here's the thing. When I get in moods like this, I can't tell if I'm totally justified or if I'm making a mountain out of a molehill in every situation, Mm -hmm. but basically I think it started on, well, I know where it started. Okay. So snip, snap. Little, little nugget, little 15 year old nugget came and it has really not been easy at all. Like I will say, I mean, he's using the litter box. He's kind of eating, he's drinking like he's, and he's sweet. Like he really is sweet. But whenever we brought home queso, the, the little, little bangle, my, my child blue was only mean for like four hours. And they, mm-hmm. they warned us, they were like, this is going to take two weeks. And I was like, want to bet like my cats, my cat's the best. And it took four hours and they were best friends after four Mm. hours. All right. So it's been like five days that (laughs) still hate each other. And like snip snap is attacking Baloo and I'm not here for that, but I am sure Baloo is like 
saying profanities under his breath so that, <laughs> so that like mom doesn't see it and then snip and snap is like what did you say and then you know pause at him and then he gets in trouble so I mean I'm not trying to say Baloo's an angel I'm sure he's instigating it the little shit but it's just been I I forget how sensitive I am to my environment so I yeah. know it sounds dumb but like the, I know that all my kitties are stressed out and I yeah. feel like I'm becoming a cat lady because I'm like <laughs> everyone's stressed and it's like wearing off on me it's so stupid then so that's been happening since Sunday and then on Tuesday I go in for my procedure that I kind of mentioned on the last podcast and like I've kind of been saying, oh, it's like a pap smear on steroids, you know, mm. whatever. I opted to not go under, not only because I think I'm like a little warrior, but because it was like, you know, eight grand cheaper. So it's like, yeah, I'm just yeah. numb me up, you know, can't be that bad. It turns out it was actually that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in and like, you know, when like you're, you realize for the first time how bad something's going to be by yep. other people's reactions. Yep. My doctor was literally like, are you okay? And I'm like on volume at this point. So I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm good. And she was like, really? You're not nervous? And I was like, wait, what? Should I be? <laughs> yeah, should I? Wait, what? And then she's like, okay, like get undressed. And here's like the little, like, you know, weird sheet thing that no one knows ever how to unfold or how to like place it down. Yeah. And then she's like, and there's a heating pad. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, there's a heating pad. And I was like, oh, so this is going to be so painful that you have a heating pad for me in case I like die. <laughs> like have to. So then they numb me and the numbing process hurts like fuck. I'm like, okay, but at least I'm numb now. No, the procedure hurt worse than the numbing process. I'm like, okay, either it didn't work Ugh. or like, like y'all needed to give me extra volume or I don't know, but it was so painful. She literally asked if I wanted to like see, she was like, these are the cutest little polyps I've ever seen. Like, you know, uh, I don't, do you want to look at them? And I was like, I can't speak. Like I'm literally like breathing as if I'm in labor and I'm like, please shut up. Like, please don't say uh. another actual word to me. So, and then the recovery kind of sucked, but whatever, but it was more just like, okay, wasn't expecting that either. And then this is really stupid like y'all bear with me, but this is when I'm like, okay, am I being ridiculous? But I'm on the HOA board. Yes. I'm president. <laughs> yes. Andrew is treasurer. Yes. It's totally ethical because we live in a building where no one wants to be on the board. And it's like super friggin' important that your HOA board, like does it look, I don't own a house HOA boards for neighborhoods when it's houses are basically just like, put your trash can up, mow your lawn. It's like, you know, bullshit stuff. No one wants to do that. This is actually important. Like we all share a roof. Like we have, this is like updating laundry rooms and we actually mm -hmm. got a new roof. And I could honestly go on and on for how many improvements we've done to this building. It's actually exhausting. It feels like a second full-time job. And I don't even do that much. Like Andrew is a rock star and does everything. <sighs> oh, there is this one person who's on the board. And he's lived here since the beginning of time. And he, when I tell you, he hasn't done anything. I mean, like nothing. <laughs> and he's running again and he's going to win because he's lived here forever. And I'm just like, this isn't fair. Like, Wait, it's so annoying. He, he's running against you for Prez? No, 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 no. So there's like probably going to be five people running for five spots. Like, oh. if you, do, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not really competitive, but like, ideally what happens is he says, hey, like, I'm not going to do it again because I'm not doing anything. And yeah. obviously you four are doing all the work. So like, I'm going to cycle off. And then what would we, we would do is, and we've already done is we recruited someone else. 
mm-hmm. to like ideally run too. who, you know, our, our thing is kind of like, look, the four of us are workaholics. We've got this. We'll do it. We just need someone who's lived in the building for a little bit longer to give us some advice. And I don't know, occasionally like let in a vendor to the building or like do something. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just, Elise, when I say I am fuming over this poor 65 year old man who wants to be, who wants to continue to be on the HOA board. Like I am so irrationally angry about it because it's just like, it's like I'm back in the day when I'm lead on a school project and I'm doing all the work and I like don't have the balls to say anything because then it will just create chaos. And then maybe I'll, I'll get told on and then we won't get an A and the A is more important and I'll just do the work and get the A, but I'm, I'm like dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. I am 32 years old. Why am I still doing this? But it's, (laughs) it's like, there's really nothing I can do. If he nominates himself, it is what it is. Like he'll win. If you're listening, we're on to you. Don't, don't run. We're going to sabotage the race. He is 100% not listening to this, but anyway, <laughs> it's so, so it's like been a culmination of like all these all things, the things. Like things not going the way I had in my mind. Like I literally thought snip snap was going to get here. And like a day later was going to be best friends. I seriously thought the worst pain of my life was going to be a glorified pap smear. And I actually was dumb enough to think this person was going to read the room and be like, Hey, I'm not doing anything. It's not yeah. fair for me to run again. Yep. What is my sparkle guys? Your expectation is always wrong. (laughs) I think my sparkle might be a bottle of Santa Barbara's finest carbonic Syrah that will be opened at this time tomorrow. So (laughs) I love it. Maybe that's my sparkle. You deserve it. I just need to calm the hell down and realize that like not everything is the end of the world. But I think I think it's also my illusion of how much control I have and how I'm so terribly wrong every single time. I mean, I'm literally right there with you. So when are we going to learn? I don't know. Probably never. Yeah, I guess not. not. (laughs) I mean, if an HOA board can trigger me this much, can you actually imagine? (laughs) Can you? you? Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things like once you're need, like, it's like you wake up, you stub your toe, you don't get hot water. And then it's like, no one even cross you. Cause the rest of your day is going to, you know, I have at least I literally don't have hot water in my shower right now. I forgot about that. (laughs) Okay. Cartridge went out. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's been a culmination of things. So your, your frustration is valid. So basically letter writer today, I am so sorry, but you are getting spicy, unfiltered, bad mood. Tell it like it is Callie. I like, honestly, if I'm too harsh today, you can just chalk it up to that. I'm going to try and temper myself, but like, I I actually, I haven't showered in two days because I don't have any hot water. So I also stank. So me and snip snap are Stanky together. That is so funny. I'm here for it. Literally, this is my ultimate. I love this vibe from Cali. Thank God you don't have to deal with me this weekend. You'll be in Cabo. Very reserved. <laughs> I'll okay. be drinking. I'll be taking shots of tequila for all of us. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I want to hear today's letter. Okay. It's a long one. So bear with me, but let's do this. Okay. Hi, ladies. The topic I think I'm seeking advice on is how to stay emotionally available, particularly when it pertains to dating and romantic relationships. 
I'll give you a little background about why I think I struggle with this. And then I'll explain the situation I find myself in currently. In my early 20s, I was in a very serious but toxic relationship with a guy. Right out of college, we moved in together and we were talking about a future together. I really thought he was my person. Oh boy, was I wrong. He was a textbook narcissist with some pretty serious mental health issues that had not been diagnosed yet. He was basically white knuckling his way through life and I was along for the ride. We were very codependent and unhealthy. It was horrible. I eventually left the relationship and started a very long healing process. I spent many years looking inward and doing work to understand how and why I accepted that kind of behavior in a relationship and how I contributed to that unhealthy dynamic. Let's just say that now I can spot a narcissist from a mile away and get immediate red flags when I sense codependent behavior in myself or others. In fact, I think I have overcorrected to a point that I have been using my independence as a defense mechanism. Fast forward to my mid twenties. I met a really great guy and we started spending time together. He was the first person I had been involved with that felt like I was dating another grown up. He had his shit together. It was a whole new level of respect to date someone. I didn't feel like I had to mother or help manage their life while also managing mine. While we had a great connection and shared a lot of the same opinions and values, we both had some pretty serious walls up emotionally. From the time we met, he made it known that he had career goals that were a priority to him. While he wanted a serious relationship and a future with someone eventually, he had goals he wanted to achieve that were really important to him. I respected that, especially because the idea of a super serious relationship still terrified me. We were involved somewhat casually for about a year, and then he got a job offer he couldn't refuse. Taking this job meant he would be relocating to another state. When we were first faced with this information, it wasn't much of a conversation because I knew that his career was a priority at the time. I wasn't surprised or even hurt that he was going to take the job. I promptly broke things off because I knew I wasn't willing to date long distance and we weren't serious enough to discuss moving me moving with him. We were sad, but handled it like respectful adults and moved on with our lives. Not long after he moved, I ended up relocating as well. It only added to the geographical distance between us. We both dated other people on and off, but kept in touch. Nothing serious, but we would check in a few times a year to catch up and wish each other happy birthdays or Merry Christmas. To say we were each other's the one that got away might be over romanticizing it a tad, but you get the point. We both cared for and respected each other a lot and never lost touch, never totally lost touch in between then. And now I've dated plenty of nice guys, but nothing has stuck. No real sparks. I tend to lose interest quickly or have a long list of deal breakers that they can't make it past. I even go months in between guys where I just forget to date. I have to remind myself to get on dating apps or put myself out there or else I won't even have a chance of meeting someone. I'm not an unhappy single person. I actually kind of enjoy it. I have a rich I have rich and valuable friendships and a fairly healthy and close involvement with my family. I genuinely never feel lonely. I also believe that women should cultivate autonomy in their lives and not feel like they have to be in a relationship to see value in themselves or feel secure in this world. That being said, I do want companionship. I used to think independence was the key to me being happy and healthy. I'm approaching a new thought. Perhaps it's, I know I can do life by myself. I don't need anyone to complete me, but it's okay for me to choose to be with someone who would add to the experience. 
This thought brings me full circle to the present day. I'm in my early 30s now, and I'm an entirely different woman than I was in my 20s. I wish I could go back and give that version of myself a hug. Oh, and the guy, the one who got away, he called me up this past December and told me he was putting in a request with his company to move back to the Southeast, and all of the cities he was considering were within a couple hours of me. The one he was considering most is where I live, and guess what? He picked my city and moved here a couple weeks ago. We've been spending time together and it's like we never missed a beat. He's even eagerly met a few of my family members. While I'm very happy about this, I still have moments of internal panic. The idea of really falling for someone is still very unsettling to me. I don't trust it. The last time I fell for someone, I ignored all the really important and obvious red flags. I still feel myself trying to put my walls up and keep things casual and easy. That's not what I want though. I want to show up and figure out what this is. He's worth the emotional risk. And even if it doesn't work out with him, I'm going to find myself in the same pattern of dating behavior again with someone else. So here's my question. How do I keep myself emotionally available in this experience? What can I do to hold myself accountable to showing up if this relationship continues to unfold? Thank you in advance for your thoughtful advice. Sincerely eager and afraid. Whew, I did it. You did it. You did it. Pat on the back. Okay, eager and afraid. It's really interesting to me because what stood out was he's worth the emotional risk. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see a risk here at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is a risk because- you know, you gave us so much detail and context about the work that you've been doing and how you've gotten to this place really of wanting interdependence, of feeling, you know, very comfortable and confident with your own autonomy, understanding that a relationship is not the key to life, but it is an amazing bonus, you know, learning how to stand on your own two feet, this whole codependency thing. And so like, that is the perfect foundation in which to catapult off really into Mm -hmm. a new relationship. And so what I'm sitting here thinking is like, okay, what's the risk girl? Because if this doesn't work out, that's what you're going back to Mm -hmm. is this really beautiful balance of having, like you said, rich and valuable relationships with your friends and family, never feeling lonely, always having something to do. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting where the risk is. And so I think that you have created this risk in your Mm -hmm. head Probably because it's really tough to break cycles. I mean, obviously you didn't have an easy go with this ass hat that you dated in your early twenties, <laughs> you know, this current guy that you dated in your mid twenties, it seems like I love what he did. He was very honest, very communicative with you said, here are my priorities. You ain't going to be one of them, but I really enjoy spending time with you, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, especially yeah. not in your mid twenties for the love of God. I mean, how great that y'all knew each other's priorities then and how great that you respected them and didn't like mm-hmm. hold them, you know, over each other's heads and didn't like resent the other one whenever they actually made right with their promises and said, yeah, I'm going to go follow through on this. Um, so I, I'm not trying to say that you didn't have a rough time before, but I don't want you to project those experiences from the past into your future. Because if I'm looking at this right now, again, I don't see risk. And I think that's how you have to reframe this in order to let yourself out of this emotional cage. Yeah. I love that. I totally like resonate with her because I only dated narcissists before. I'm like wondering if your ex-boyfriend's name is Joe, because if so, then here we are. 
I've been there. Joe, um, we, we meet again. Yeah, Joe, you're the worst. Okay. Um, this is my, my immediate in reading this, my mind went to self-limiting beliefs. It sounds sounded like after this relationship that was super toxic with this narcissist, you looked internally and asked yourself the question of like, what prompted me to allow this behavior to go on when I was in the same position, asking myself, looking inward, like, why the fuck did I put up with this bullshit for three years? It was because I had a self-limiting belief of, I was not worthy of a man's love or of anyone's love. I was not worthy. It bled over into my friendships. It bled over to everything, honestly. And when I started to do the work, when I met Carl, I no longer had that self-limiting belief of I'm not worthy. I had challenged that through my own growth and through my own process. And it sounds like you've already challenged and disputed that self-limiting belief, whatever that was for you. And now you're, you know, walking into this next experience, not holding the same irrational beliefs about yourself and what you deserve like you did before. So that's going to be the first difference a hundred percent, which is huge. Um, I think it sounds like, you know, there's a fear of maybe self-sabotage, right? Like you, you're scared because you had this horrible traumatic experience with an ex and you see this great opportunity that seems healthy and it seems like a secure attachment and it feels so great and you want to see where it goes, but the, you know, something's coming up where you're being triggered. And I think I went through the same thing when Carl and I first started dating and I almost broke up with him. Like we talk about it all the time and it, there was nothing, no reason as to why I wanted to break up with him or needed some time or space. It was truly just because I was at the same crossroads that you're at now. And I was freaking the hell out and starting to self-sabotage because I was scared. I was going to go through a nightmare again. And I had to you know, Carl's so great. He was like, obviously this is happening because of your past. So like you take the time to figure shit out. And like, I will be here when you want to pursue something. And I took time and I was like, I'm, I'm either going to ruin this and miss out on someone so great that I literally have zero concerns about over fucking my last relationship. Like, I'm not going to let my last relationship, he did so much damage to me. I'm not going to let him fuck this up for me either. So if you have that sort of mindset of like that guy you used to date, he, he already did the damage. Like, do not let him or that experience let you miss out on another great thing. Because I promise you missed out on a lot of great things for the whole time you were dating that asshole, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really do agree with that. I mean, and I think to get to the heart of her question, which is, you know, she does say that she's scared that the same pattern's going to happen again, regardless if she, if it works out with him or someone else. And so the question she asks is, how do I keep myself emotionally available in this experience? This is going to sound dumb, but it's like, we don't know the answer, but he does. Like being emotionally available doesn't mean the same thing in every relationship. People give and receive love in different ways. My marriage with Andrew is going to look night and day from maybe Elise's marriage with Carl, even though honestly, it doesn't seem like it was an that <laughs> night and day, but like, I mean, you get the point. I mean, I think some of my friends look at my marriage and they're like, I, that was not for me. I couldn't even imagine. And I look, maybe I, I don't judge other people's marriages, to be honest. I don't think about them much, but if I did have to give a critical thought, it's like, yeah, I would. I would think that maybe 
some other marriages that I see probably really aren't my style. And so the thing is, is like, I'm glad that you're asking us this, but I actually think the best way to crack this is to ask him Mm -hmm. and not in a subservient way, not in a, how can I please you? But in a, like, how do we get to the next step together? Because last time it never got to the next step because he made it clear that there was no next step. He made it clear that I've got different priorities. And so the first question I think is, what are y'all's priorities? Have you had a conversation about like, is career still number one on the list? Or is it something Mm -hmm. more like a romantic relationship, stability, um, you know, family, like, my priorities have changed since I've gotten older. So is Andrew's. Uh, it, what's nice is that ours have kind of, you know, come together and they they evolve over time together. And even though y'all might've had distance between the two of you, your priorities might've also aligned together over the years. And so it's scary, but this is your homework. I don't really mm-hmm. want you to ask us this. I want yeah. you to have a conversation with these exact questions with him. What is being emotionally available look like to you? What does it mean to you? How does that, how does that, you know, come to fruition in our relationship? What can I do to hold myself accountable to showing up? I mean, that might look like him saying, texting me back within an hour. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not like there has to be a control element to this, but it might be like, Hey, open up sometime during the week. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't want to just be someone that sees you on the weekends. Um, but it's really going to come from the two of you being honest, because what I love about this is while it might seem like you had a stunted experience before with this same relationship, and that that's why it might seem more difficult to break the cycle because you were holding back last time. Mm -hmm. Um, what your relationship has always been built on, which I'm really impressed with is honesty. Mm -hmm. And so you can count on him to be Mm -hmm. honest with you about what he wants. So ask him, don't be afraid. Like this is what intimacy is. I, I will never forget my favorite professor that I've, I'm sure quoted a few times who everyone else thought was a quack, but I was mm. like, she is a genius. She said once that the most intimate you can be with someone else is when you talk about the relationship that you have with each other. Mm. So in order to be emotionally intimate with this person, you're going to have to talk about the relationship that you have with them. And it mm-hmm. does feel weird. It feels exposing, but she, you know, my professor was saying that in the context of, you know, client work. And I'm here to tell you, it's true. I have conversations with my clients about our relationship and that's when we feel the closest. It's not when I'm doing great at my job or when they're crying and telling me about something that happened over the weekend. It's no, it's when we're having this meta conversation about each other. That's what you're going to have to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's really important. Um, I also thought of like attachment style. So it could, I'm interested to see like if she's ever done a, attachment style assessment. I, based on kind of Lori's. Yeah, no, I have the link to it. So like, if you're, you know, send me an email or a DM and I will send you the link, but it's a super extensive attachment style assessment. And it basically assesses your attachment style with your mom, your dad, a romantic partner, a friend, and the general public from what I'm hearing and just the work that you've done up until this point, like I'm getting super secure vibes. I think Mm. in the past with this last relationship, maybe insecure, maybe avoidant, maybe anxious, you know, but 
I think now after all of the work that you've done, like I'm definitely, I don't know for sure, but I'm definitely getting secure attachment vibes. Just the fact that you, you know, really value your independence and, you know, you've done all of this work to grow and learn more about yourself. Like that bleeds over into your attachment style. And the thing with attachment styles, it's fluid, right? So like I very much had an anxious attachment when I was dating and my ex-boyfriend, I've taken the assessment since, and I have a super secure attachment style with a partner now. So Mm -hmm. just because you are one attachment style with one partner, that doesn't mean that that's going to be your attachment style for forever. Um, I also will give you a tip that I kind of tell some of my clients who, you know, navigate some of the same, you know, concerns, but I think anytime you have that, like, pit in your stomach where you feel yourself wanting to self-sabotage or your mind is going to the worst of like, what if, or, you know, in this new relationship, I would ask yourself, do you have any evidence related to this particular relationship and this particular person in this present moment that is causing that fear? Or is that fear being triggered by maybe old wounds and that past relationship? Because that will really be able to direct your focus of like, are there actually red flags that I'm seeing in this new relationship or is it just me being triggered from the past? And that's going to, I mean, you know, I'm going to assume that from what we heard, I haven't heard any red flags that you see moving forward with this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know the full story, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so distracted because you talked about that attachment inventory and I, like died laughing at my results. Uh, <laughs> do you remember same. what they were? It was, I was like super securely attached to my mom, my dad, whatever friend, my spouse. And then the general public, yeah. I was like avoidantly attached. I was like, get the fuck away from me. General public, which yeah. I found so funny. I was like, what, how does that happen? How are you securely attached to everyone in your life? And then general public now, but no, it's true. And I, I do think Elise brought up such a good point in that with attachment theory, it's, it's a, it's not controversial, but I think it's, it's a little scary because you know, attachment starts when you're what between the ages of one and three, I mean, Mm -hmm. really, really young is when this originates. And so I think a lot of people get stuck in this idea of, well, shit, because I, you know, my mom was batshit or my dad was controlling or whatever it was. You couldn't control that. Of course, you can't control the family that you're born into. You can't control really your attachment style at that young of an age. It's nothing that you did, but what, more and more research is showing, which is what Elise just said, is you can have earned attachment style, which Mm. I love that. To me, it's like, I was born securely attached. There's probably never been a day in my life where I've been anxiously or avoided. Well, I guess with the general public, never mind, (laughs) avoid and get the fuck away from me. But you know, with people in my life, I don't think I've ever experienced anxious or, um, disorganized or any other attachments. I mean, one of my ex-boyfriends called me clingy and then another girl came and interviewed. I think I told you the story came and went up to Andrew when we first started dating and was like, beware she's clingy. (gasps) By the way, I started dating him like three years after this ex-boyfriend. I know not cool. I will never like, I hold, I don't hold grudges. I hold a grudge against her. Who is she? Cool. I know. Who is she? not cool. So she went up. And so Andrew, of course, loved it and was like, wait, she's clingy. Hell yes. I love those people. And then of course jokes on him. And he makes this comment all the time. He was like, I was given false information. This was so misleading. 
<laughs> she told me you were clingy and I was intrigued. And it turns out you were the freaking opposite. <laughs> that is hilarious. But yeah, I mean, point being circling back, I do not feel as if I have identified with other attachment styles, even though somebody apparently thought I did. <laughs> uh, but I think like, what a gorgeous concept. I would honestly be maybe more proud of myself if I was earned attachment. Like at least yeah. that's so cool that you like were in this anxious attachment dynamic and then like fucking clawed your way out of it and did the work. And now you're in this secure, like I was given secure attachment on a freaking silver platter. And if <laughs> I like strayed away from it, then that would have been earned anxious attachment. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know, basically what I'm trying to say eager and afraid is you are not defined by your previous relationships. And if you fall into that trap, then it's going to become your reality. Mm -hmm. And so this is your moment to really embrace this earned attachment style, you know, earn, earn secure attachment style and wear it as a fucking badge of honor, girl. Mm -hmm. I want you to parade that shit around and be like, I did the work. I deserve this. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, I go back to my badass life. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario is most people's best case scenario. Yes. That's like, so true. Let that sink in. Oh, I just got the chills. I don't know why, but I just got the chills. That was good. That got me fired up. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I've used that line with one of my clients. Already <laughs> because I like, I mean, she's just sitting, it's the same thing though. And by the way, like you, this is, this is such a common problem, which isn't to say like, oh, it's like, you know, whatever, get, get over it. This is easy. It's a common problem because it's not easy. Yeah. It's a common problem because it's really tough and yeah. breaking cycles. I think is one of the hardest things we have to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I had a client who was, who was same thing. Well, what, if, what if it doesn't work out? Oh my God, should I, should I break it off now? She has a habit of thinking that she's the one that's super enmeshed, but in reality, she's actually pushing them away, which letter writer, you're realizing that you are pushing away, which is a very good realization to have. But honestly, if you've done that work, like, think about, like, as you said, you, you literally write down, I'm a radically different woman mm -hmm. than I was. So it's like, you've earned this. Like, yeah. you really, your, your worst case scenario is literally somebody else's worst case scenario, you know, or best case scenario, you know? So like, I'm just, I'm really proud. And I think that this problem is in a way, a good one to have because you've already proven to yourself that you're totally capable of and, overcoming this. And I feel like if you take Callie's advice and have that open conversation and continue to value honesty amongst the two of you, like, I mean, that was a saving grace for Carl and I too, because he helped me work. I mean, like we had those conversations together and that created predictability in the relationship and into the forming relationship in the beginning. And like, we know predictability equals safety and security. So if you guys can figure out what that looks like together, you're going to have a sense of predictability, which equals safety and security, which is going to obviously enhance a secure attachment. So it's like, you know, have that combo girl. I think you won't regret it. Yeah, I agree. And last thing, Oh, maybe not the last thing who the hell knows on this podcast, but something that I think that you're going to have to get really comfortable with is trusting your intuition, which is going to be really tough for you because your intuition led you into danger 10 years yeah. ago, but that was 10 years ago. Okay. Like think about how much people grow in 10 years. Like, yeah, 
think about the difference between a 10 year old kid and a 20 year old woman. Like that's the time we're talking about here, because as you said, you're in your early thirties now, and this bad relationship started when you were in your early twenties. So I don't need you to use that as proof to not trust your intuition because your intuition is a wise older lady now. Okay. Mm -hmm. She's seen some shit. She knows what's up. So I think that's the big issue here is that you were taught maybe at a young age. I don't know. We don't, it seems like you're close with your family. So that's good. But somewhere along the way, someone taught you not to trust your intuition. Yeah. That person was wrong. Mm. And so your intuition is always right. But what we have to do is create a safe environment for us to listen. And so if you're flooded with all of these triggers from your past, there's no way in fucking hell you're going to be able to listen to what it's saying. I think your intuition is telling you just based off this letter that everything's good. I am safe and I've got this. And I need Mm -hmm. you to keep listening to that and embracing it and letting it sink in as much as possible, because that's going to make this so much easier. It's going to be so easy for you to show up. It's going to be so easy for you to be emotionally intimate. Like if, if that's the message that you're receiving constantly, and then you have these other panics, those panic, that's not your intuition talking. Okay. Those are just triggers. That's just reflexes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those go away. Once you learn what your actual internal voice is saying. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. We just got into that. So important. And while we were talking about intuition, I mean, the universe literally pooped this man back into your life in the same fucking city. This is, this is the universe telling you lady, you've done the work. Here's your fucking gift with a golden platter with a bow on it. Merry Christmas to you, eager and afraid. If you don't take advantage of this opportunity, the universe is going to be like, I see you. I could not agree more. And the the thing that I want you to internalize here is what Elise said is dead on. But what we're not saying is this is the one. We're not saying this is the end all be all relationship. We don't know, but we do know for a fact that this is a pivotal moment in your life. And so whether this relationship is that teaching moment, because I know that with a lot of my clients, kind of with myself too, I've had some relationships that have taught me what it's like to be in a secure, healthy, you know, good vibes. Like, okay, this is what I should expect in a relationship. This is how it feels like. This is what it looks like. And so you know, I don't know how much you've really gotten to experience that. And so regardless if this works out or not, that that's not even the goal here. I don't even want you to think about that as the goal. The yeah. goal needs to be, how can I be comfortable and emotionally available in a secure and healthy relationship, even if it's not going to be the one that's the most sustainable for my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But either way, that is a gift. If it works out or not, that is a huge gift. And I mean, Elise is dead on. Hello. He is in your city now after all that time. Like you think that that's just a coincidence. There is no way. And y'all know Mm -hmm. me. I'm not even that spiritual, but come on. I don't believe in coincidences. I mean, I don't. I guess sometimes I do. I don't know. It depends on if I like the meaning or not. (laughs) (laughs) We get to decide. We'll decide. I I get to choose. And right now I'm choosing to believe that this was a sign and not a coincidence. Also, like, 
I like he clearly like he knew where you live so he obviously yeah. had some sway it's like I mean come on like there was a, a little bit of uh you know pulling the pulling the wheels behind the door or whatever yeah. um to get to where he wanted to be because I think you both know that your story is not over yet and there's nothing wrong with switching your priorities as you get older and accomplishing goals and realizing hey I think it's time to explore the emotional side of life Hmm. I love it I love it okay so to recap I'm not gonna tell you that emotional being emotionally available is texting at a certain pace or FaceTiming and not talking on the phone or going out on dates on Wednesdays instead of Fridays or talking about your past ad nauseum like emotionally being emotionally available it really can't be defined in actions unless it's being defined in actions by the two of you but I guess what I'm saying is I cannot define it in actions for you Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know you I don't know him and so you guys are gonna have to decide that together and when you do that's when emotional intimacy begins just like I mean this is actually a funny example but like Andrew lies to me sometimes. <laughs> Not like big lies, but you know what I mean? Like his car got towed once and I like <laughs> saw like a marking on the window and he was, I was like, what is that? He was like, oh, they like marked my car. Cause I parked somewhere. No, that was like a tow truck. Like, you know, whatever. And he told me like three months later and I told this story to someone else and they're like, oh my God, were you so pissed? And I was like, no, like, I, I don't care. Like he was right to not tell me. Cause I would have flipped out asked how much the ticket was. And of course, three months later, it's like, well, we clearly survived that bill that you paid. So I guess we're okay. Yeah. And you were right to avoid an emotional thunderstorm that didn't need to happen. I'm bringing that as an example because Andrew and I have talked about the fact that it actually doesn't trigger me when he lies because I trust him enough to know that he's lying because I'm in a spicy mood and I'm not going <laughs> to react well. And frankly, it's just not worth it. Like we know each other well enough to get to that place to where we actually don't fight very often anymore. Now we fought like cats and dogs in the beginning. Let me tell you that. And I always call it growing pains because you, when you date someone who is spicy as hell, including me and him, it takes time to figure this out. So don't freak out. If you butt heads, don't freak out. If you have fights, just know that the goal of this is to set your own rules. That is what intimacy looks like. Mm-hmm. but you're you can't do that talking to us yeah so that's the scary part you got to go talk to him that's your homework sis yeah. I would start out with what are his priorities and how have they changed sorry Suri was talking to me on my phone I would <laughs> I would I would start out my first prompt to you would literally be like okay so your priorities in your mid-20s were career in this what do they look like now this is not a job interview please don't say it like that but you know start there and see where it goes. And I think this is going to be way easier as you continue to feel safer and safer because these conversations, as Elise said, lead to predictability. Mm -hmm. And that leads to, what is it? Security? Safety and security. Yeah. So I got one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I love it. See what I'm saying. Okay. Let's wrap this up. So I stop rambling. Um, Eager and afraid. Thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it. This letter was gorgeous. All the details, all the stuff. Um, 
guys, please write in. We've really loved reading all of your stories. We've really loved being able to record them at the moment. Um, we are looking for more. We've kind of gone through a bunch of them and we have some in queue, but if you are serious about wanting some insight from your story, like come on, don't be afraid. The water's warm. We gotcha. So right into blush you at joinblush.com. Um, that goes, by the way, that email goes directly to me and Elise. Yeah. Like yeah. we read these, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we are the judges that decide what gets recorded and what does not. And frankly, we do record the majority that we receive. Um, just because, you know, unless there's, we've gotten some weird ones, but otherwise they've been, <laughs> they've been very coherent. So we appreciate it. And then if you just want to skip the podcast and go straight to working with a coach, girl, I don't blame you. You can use promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. As I said, we are in the app store. What up? What up? So come say hi. Um, we would love, we would love to hang out. Yes, we would. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up so Elise can start packing for Cabo. Hell yeah! I can't wait for my margarita. And I'm I will so just excited. be screaming profanities while my cat whispers profanities all weekend <laughs> with a glass of wine in hand, just being like, why? <laughs> and hoping that my fucking cats start getting along. Okay, good vibes, please, for the kitties. Good get vibes. Along. Good vibes only. Okay. okay. I love it. I love everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.